Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Second Corinthians is perhaps the final of four letters. Two are lost to the ages. If you find one of those letters to the Corinthians, let me know. We'll be rich together. So 2 Corinthians is probably the fourth of four. And chapter 13, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11, Paul says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. Man, that's the making of a great church right there. Complete, comforted, united, in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Praise God. From Paul's first three words in verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. My subject today is entitled, The Last Sermon. This is perhaps Paul's last sermon to his beloved church in Corinth. And everybody's going to help me preach by saying amen at least one time in this message. May be seated. Thank you for that. Amen. Moses, Saul, David, and Solomon all served by leading God's people for 40 years. This year is the 40th year that the lovely, the beautiful, the gracious, the queen, who's wearing her new leather on sale jacket, She's already shaking her head at me. When you're married to a prophetess, you can't get away with anything. Together, she has been my best friend, and we have been privileged to also lead for 40 years, pastoring 40 years. And I think we're in pretty good company. Now, you know you're getting up there in years when the first thing you look at in the newspaper are the obituary. Some of you get that. Some of you have no clue. Now, for pastors, it's a little different. When they get old, they read the obituaries in the Bible. You didn't know the Bible had obituaries? We call them epitaphs. Everybody say epitaph. Somebody learned a new word. An epitaph is a summation of someone's life. Sort of like their life's message. When the writers of the Bible summarize the character of that individual in just a few words, in a certain way, it sort of becomes like that person's last sermon. Let me give you a few examples that I think you'll find interesting, at least I did, and you're 
uh, subject to whatever I think is interesting. And perhaps things like these could have been written on their tombstones. For example, Jonah, he took the first submarine ride. <laughs> Philip, he took the first helicopter ride, if you know your Bible. David, a man after God's own heart. Abner, he died like a fool. Noah, we got a couple Noahs here today. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Moses, he slapped the rock. Methuselah, anybody beat 969? <laughs> Marichella Hashbaz, he was 20 before he could spell his name. In case you're wondering, that was Isaiah's son. Amnon, he had a friend. Judas, he went to his own place. Herod, he was eaten with worms because he gave not God the glory. Jabez, he was more honorable than his brethren. The rich young ruler, Brother Gilliland, unpacked that passage beautifully this morning. He went away sorrowful. Peter, he walked on the water. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Demas, he forsook Paul having loved this present world. Felix, he was almost persuaded to become a Christian. And finally, Jesus, he is not here. He is risen. <laughs> there once was a man whose parents named him Odd. That's right. His name was Odd, and he hated his name. His entire life, he cringed every time someone called him by his name. So one day, late in life, he asked his wife, as a dying request that she would not have his name engraved on his tombstone. And so he passed, and true to her word, wife just put the birth year, the death year, no name. As people would walk through the cemetery, and they'd see that blank tombstone, some would mark, hmm, isn't that odd? I like that. Some pastors, preachers, they know when they're preaching their last sermon. Some preach their last sermon and don't know it. I have a very, had a very close friend who preached his last sermon in Hannibal, Missouri, Gary Legg. He was a marathon runner, basketball player, 59 years old, and he said some prophetic things in his message that next Thursday night he was playing basketball with the men in the church. He had the ball. He suddenly felt ill. He went and sat down, collapsed, and suffered a massive fatal heart attack. Just two days ago, I 
read an article from Charisma News, and I quote, Only hours before her tragic death in a car accident, 30-year-old director, youth director, Kay Lee Duggar preached her last sermon to the women's ministry at her church. This devout follower of Jesus was a Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary student and was on the worship team at First Baptist Church, North Kansas City, Missouri. While driving from Kansas City to Texas, she was killed in a three-car wreck. Oklahoma Highway Patrol said she died at the scene of the accident February 2nd, 2023. Her last sermon was on the promises of heaven. September 18, 2011, right here at this pulpit on this platform, former UPCI General Superintendent, the late, great Kenneth Haney, who grew the largest congregation in our fellowship in North America, preached his last sermon here. Four days later, he was diagnosed with an egg-sized tumor in his brain. And two months later, I was at his funeral in Stockton, California. Life is fragile, and it passes like a vapor. And you never know if you're preaching or hearing your last sermon. One day, Noah stood at the doorway of the ark and he preached his last sermon. The flood is coming. It's time to get into the ark. And he stepped back and God closed the door. Moses' last sermon is essentially the entire book of Deuteronomy. Aren't you glad you weren't there for that one? which in a nutshell says, if you obey God, you will be blessed. But if you disobey God, you will face the consequences. Joshua's last sermon was something perhaps like this. Go ahead and follow the gods of the Canaanites if you want to and face the facts and consequences for your behavior. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That would be a good final sermon for somebody to hear. (laughs) Prophet Malachi preached his and the last sermon under the dispensation of the law, which is the entire Old Testament or most of the Old Testament. And it was something like this in Malachi chapter 3. Get your money right. Get your tithe right. Get your offering right. This is God's last appeal. And if you don't, God's going to close the door on the entire Old Testament. And there will not be another word from God for 400 years. Have a nice day. And they didn't obey. And the door closed and heaven was silent for four centuries. Paul's last sermon, he wrote down on parchment to his beloved son in the gospel, Timothy. It goes something like this. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. He fought, he finished, he kept. That's the way to go. 
Peter's last recorded sermon while he was yet preaching to the household of Cornelius, the Holy Ghost fell. That ought to be the goal of every message. That right while we're preaching, that faith, the Bible says in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You wouldn't hurt my feelings if while I'm preaching today, suddenly a word of faith came to you. Faith to be healed, faith to repent of your sins, faith to be baptized, faith to be filled with the Holy Ghost, faith to make a decision for Christ today. You wouldn't be wrecking anything. Don't wait for the protocol. Don't wait for the program. I got the program, but don't wait for the program to be over. Let faith rise right now. That's the whole point of preaching. That's the whole point of coming together. Whatever God can do, he can do right now. This might be your last message. Why don't you hear the word of the Lord? Hallelujah. Stephen's last sermon is recorded in Acts chapter 7. In fact, it was his first and his last message. Jesus' last sermon went something like this. Guys, if you forget, don't forget, but if you forget everything else I told you, don't forget this. Go make disciples of all nations. Teach them all things that I have shared with you. And then I love what he said next. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Listen, if you're on the mission, he's promised that he will go with you all the way to the end of the earth. If you're on the mission, amen. If you're not on the mission, you're on your own. But if you're on the mission, Jesus said, if you're working for me, I'm going to stand by you. If you're on my mission, I'm going to take care of you. That was his last sermon. And it still stands. It still stands. He's still going to back you up. He's still going to fight for you. He's still willing to go down into hell and descend into the lower parts of the earth and come out and give gifts to man. Woo! Amen. The Lord willing, today is not my last sermon. Thank God, because my grandson just walked out on me. <laughs> but it might be. Nobody has tomorrow as a guarantee. But I'm not one to ignore the elephant in the room anytime I'm up here preaching. You know me well enough to know that. And there's an elephant in the room today, somewhere. And the elephant is called transition. Everybody say transition. transition. Two years ago, we adopted a pastor-elect resolution. And then one year ago, you elected Justin C. Gleason as your future pastor. But this transition started long before two years ago.
For quite some time now, the Lord has been dealing with me about transition from his word and the precedent of how God transitioned the nation of Israel from one prophet, Elijah, to his successor, prophet Elisha. But this transition was not just about the old prophet handing the baton to the new prophet. Much bigger than that. Much more to it than that. The bigger picture was that this was a transition, hear this now, from one generation to the next generation. Did you hear me this morning? And for our purpose here today, congregational transitions of long-tenured pastors are not just about from one pastor to the next pastor, but it's really about one generation to the next generation. And I don't know how my generation feels, but I'm excited about the up and coming and present generation. I feel good about the apostolic church. Come on. I wish somebody in my generation would start clapping your hands right now and say, we believe in the next generation. We believe in the seeds that we planted. We believe in the disciples that we've made. We believe that they love the truth and love the message and love the gospel and love the mission. We believe, thank you so much, more than 100 times in the New King James, it uses the word Generation. Everybody say generation. generation. For some reason here in America, we started naming our generations. The greatest generation, born 1901 to 1924. Anybody here? We had one for the Steve Barrett's mother. She left us to be with the Lord just a couple years ago. The silent generation, 1925, 1945. The baby boomer generation, 1946, 1964. The baby busters, we call them Generation X, 1965 to 1979. Go ahead, GXers, go ahead. 1995 to 2012, Generation Z. Twenty thirteen to twenty twenty five, Generation Alpha. Let's clap for Alpha, everybody. These generations are not defined by one person or one event or who was president or who won the Super Bowl or putting a man on the moon or Al Gore inventing the Internet. But it's a generational transition. An entire generation came of age. Together, they brought their collective discovery and their talent and their energy and their leadership and their mission. And they became characterized by certain distinguishing features. And they left their indelible mark on the world. I have a, I have a picture I want to show you. Um, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't blow that up. 
I don't know if there's anything you can do for that, but that's good enough. Uh, someone posted this on Facebook, and this is my home church. St. Paul, Minnesota, at the corner of Hag and Victoria. And this is 1950. And if you'll see the second row, the man on the aisle was my pastor, S.G. Norris. And so this is his half. This is only half. The other half on the front row on the left, the end of the left end is, is you'll see, you can see my dad. I'm not going to show it today. But my dad's there. Him and mom moved there four years earlier, 1946, after he was discharged from World War II. And in this side of the church, there is one of S.G. Norris's sons, Jim, who was a teacher of mine. And uh, I see Dorothy Larson Sawyer, who married Art Sawyer later. And they had three children, Alan, Craig, and Karen. And Craig became my best friend years later. And on this side, you can't see him, but I'm looking at him right now. His name is Don Jostrand. He was a bus kid, a neighborhood kid, and got saved and went to Bible college and got married. And they had two children, Janice and John. And Janice married Keith, excuse me. Janice married Keith, his son, Don Jostrand's son. And it was Janice that in 1988 prophesied over my wife and I when we were ready to quit the ministry and said, in three weeks, God's going to give you direction. And we were preaching our first message here three weeks to the day. But that's Don Jostrand sitting there as a teenager. And about three quarters of the way back in the middle is a man named Bill Cannell who became a pastor in Ocala, Florida and served as district superintendent in Florida for many years. If I was to show you the other side, there would be another district superintendent, future named Ron Neustrand, who grew up in my church, my home church. And sitting right next to him was a young man named Robert Saban, who 21 years later would become the elected pastor, the successor of S.G. Norris. And as I mentioned, my dad was sitting on the front row on the left-hand side. Why am I taking the time to share all of this boring information with you? I'm going to tell you why. In fact, before I do that, if we could zoom in on the back row, the very back row, you would see my sweet, beautiful mother. And standing in the pew next to her, is my pastor at age three. And if this is 1950, she's probably holding our sister Pat in her lap. In fact, I, can think, I think I hear her crying <laughs> right now. Three district superintendents sitting in that congregation. It's a moment in time, people. It's a moment in time, but time doesn't stop for anybody. In fact, nobody's even smiling in that picture. Those people need to get in their happy place. Are you listening to me? That's just 
that just captured a moment. In fact, other than my brother, there's only one other person still living that I know of, and that's the young lady in row one, seat A, and that's Beverly Neustrand Hicks. And she's probably close to 90, if not already 90. But it makes me wonder who is sitting here today. And I don't know who took the picture, but he's not in the picture. But I asked Austin to run up here. And Austin's going to take a picture. In fact, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to, I'm going to get in it. Come on. Every, now we're going to smile. How about that? Huh? Man, that kid's coordinated. He can chew gum and take pictures at the same time. In church. <laughs> Pastor don't miss nothing. <laughs> now put the phone away. That's all I'm asking. Put the phone away. I told you I need a little time today. But it makes me wonder who's here today. Who is God raising up in this generation? I'm going to tell you who there's here. I'm going to tell you who's here today. There are future leaders of the apostolic church here today. There are people here. I was, I was reading. I was reading in 2 Samuel, and the Bible said that God made a great name for David, and he became one of the greatest men upon the earth. And my mind just sort of went off and thought about that. Wow. God made a great name for David. And I'm telling you that there are future apostles in this room today. There are future prophets in this room today. There are future evangelists and pastors and teachers. And as some of you are developing at a rapid pace because we're going to reach this world. We're going to make a difference. We're going to impact nations. Hallelujah. Amen. This is just a moment in time, but we will never forget. We were here. This was the day that God marked you for greatness. Come on, one generation to the next generation. This isn't about me and that guy right there. This is about a church. This is about revival. This is about reaching the world. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you that God has been breaking into this church, especially dynamically and deeper and greater and wider since the first of this year. And it even goes back into December. And I'm going to tell you why. Because there's a shift. There's a transition going on. And we got to catch it. We've got to grasp it. Ha. Woo. Psalm 78, 4, we will not hide them from their children, telling to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God 
and keep his commandments. Praise God. It's from generation to generation. I'm declaring, Michaela, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you came home to watch the chiefs put a whipping on the eagles today. Amen. See, I, I can't ignore the elephants in the room. Okay. All right. But I'm so glad my four children are here today. Listen, the greatest gift that Stan and Marlene Gleason could ever leave the Life Church is Justin and Anna and Daniel and Marissa and Michaela and Caleb. Amen. Amen. And you, the greatest gift you can leave a church is your children and your grandchildren. Come on, make disciples. Raise them up one generation to the next generation. This is a generational thing. Ha. So the Lord spoke to me a few weeks ago and gave me a word for the life church. And I want to focus the remainder of this message right here. First Kings 19. I told you I needed just a little time today. Kickoff's not till 5.30. Everybody say transition. First Kings 19. The Lord said to him, meaning Elijah. Go, return on your way to the wilderness. When you arrive, anoint Haziel as king of Syria. Anoint Jehu, king over Israel. God's taking care of business. He's making sure he's got the leaders he wants where he wants them. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. I think that sort of hit Elijah pretty hard. You're replaceable. And I already picked him out. Sort of like the guy that was on his, the guy's wife was on her deathbed and she said, honey, if I go, I, I want you to get married again. Oh no, honey, I, I, I couldn't do that to you. No, I, I want you to get married and you need somebody to take care of you. You're sort of pitiful. And uh, she can live here in this house. And she can cook with all my pots and pans. That'll be fine. And in fact, I know you love to, we love to play golf together. When I'm gone, she, you can give her my golf clubs. He said, oh, no, she's left-handed. another elephant in the room. How do you think Elijah felt when God said, I've already picked out your replacement? Huh? Is the Bible real? Verse 19, Elijah departed, found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. This is a man. And he was with the 12th, the 12th team. Elijah passed by him and tossed his mantle on him, testing him. 
Elisha dropped the oxen and ran after Elijah. He got it. He said, please let me go say goodbye to my father and mother. I will follow you. And Elijah looked at him and said, go, go back. But remember what I've done to you. So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment. and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and he became his servant. Here's a summary of this succession plan that God had in mind for Elijah. God told him it's time for transition. It's time for your transition. It's time for Israel's transition. Turn to somebody and say it's time for transition. He said, go find your successor. Find your replacement, Elijah. Elijah, stay tuned for a public service announcement. You are replaceable. Every prophet in Israel is an interim prophet. I don't know if God insulted Elijah, hurt his feelings. If Elijah thought God's timing was way off, if he thought he had another good 20 years in him. God told him, I've already picked him out. His name is Elisha. God told him where he would find him. And Elijah was like, man, God, you, you've been thinking about this. Okay. An intentional transition is an apostolic dynamic. It's not apostolic for one pastor to pastor a church for a long time and then just like a hired hand, just walk off. That is not Bible. That is not book of Acts. That's not apostolic. The Bible said that Paul ordained elders in every city. And I've got to tell you today, and I'm preaching to this guy right now, every pastor is an interim pastor. I don't care if he pastors six months, six years, or 60 years. He's, it's not his church, and this is not my church. And I don't think it's ever come out of my mouth. My church, it's the church I pastor. It's the church I serve. I best, I'm an under-shepherd. There's only one church, and there's only one shepherd, and his name is Jesus. He's the boss, and we're under his authority, and I'm just his under-shepherd. And I don't care who your church is or where your church is, your church is not great unless it can be great without you. Well, that's refreshing. The TLC is a great church. But it's not great unless it can be great without me. I believe that. This is not about me. This is not about Pastor Justin. This is about all of us. From generation to generation. Elijah finds him, places his mantle on him. He tested him. Elisha passed the test. And they began to walk together. The Bible says that Elisha sacrificed those oxen, roasted them on his farm implements, had a big barbecue. 
He must have been from Kansas City. Elisha says goodbye to his parents. And he begins to pour water. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3.11, Elisha poured water on Elijah's hands, which is idiomatic language for serving him. Time passes. Elijah says to Elisha, I'm getting ready to leave. What do you want from me? Elisha says, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah says, you've asked a hard thing. You know why it's hard? Because it wasn't Elijah's to give. That will have to come from God. But Elisha is situating himself. He's submitted to authority. He's pouring water on the hands of the man of God. He's, he's, and, and Elijah says, when, if, you see I, if you see me when I go, if you see me when I go, I told you I need a little time today. I'm coming to the close. But if you see me when I go, included in the range of meaning is when you see eye to eye with me. In other words, Elijah, Elisha, you've been a farmer. But God's not going to turn the church in the Old Testament over to a farmer. We got to make sure you're a prophet. We got to make sure you're anointed. We got to make sure you stop thinking like a farmer and stop th- start thinking like a man of God. Come on, are you with me right now? When you see eye to eye with me, Elisha, you need to catch my spirit. Amen. In fact, the word spirit there is small s. It's not a big s. It's little, little s. I want a double portion of your spirit. Whatever you are, Elijah, I celebrate you. You're my hero. The whole nation respects and honors you. I can't believe you just put your mantle on my shoulder. You think I'm going to pass up this opportunity to follow a man of God like you? I'm going to pour water on your hands. I'm going to listen to everything you say. I want to catch your spirit. I want to see the people like you see them. I want to love them like you love them. I want to see them through the eyes of God. And when he caught Elijah's spirit, when he caught his spirit, that was the day. What what is God waiting on? What is God waiting on? He's waiting for this successor to catch the spirit of the prophet. Now I'm going to tell you something. This is a word for this church right now. This is what the Lord spoke to me. The Bible said that the day that Elijah was to go, the school of the prophets told Elisha, today's the day. The school of the prophets knew it was the day. And Elisha said, I know it. I know today's the day. Be quiet. He just said, be quiet. Just let it unfold. And here's the message for the life church. If you have an ounce of the Holy Ghost, if you have an ounce of discernment, I'm telling you that the Holy Ghost is saying to the whoop and the wharf and the spirit of this church, to the DNA and everything deep down inside of us, the time of transition is upon us. Would you let me unburden myself right now? The time of transition is here. And I want to know, the Bible said the sons of Issachar had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Saul's regime was backslidden going down. 
down and David's kingdom was on the rise and a lot of people were torn. Are you going to follow Saul? What am I following him for? He's dead. He's backslid. The last meal he ate was cooked by the witch of Endor. Why do I want to follow that loser? The sons of Issachar said, no, David's God's man. He was anointed since he was a young boy. It's time to catch the spirit of the anointing. And if you have any discernment, you know that God is saying it's time for the transition. It's time for the mantle to drop. <laughs> the school of the prophet said, we know it's coming. Woo. Hallelujah. Since the day he was born at Mount Carmel Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, I've blessed him. I've laid my hands on him. I've watched him. I've raised him. There's nobody in the world that knows him better than I do. But there's prayers I've been praying. God, I want to see if he loves the truth. He proved that to me in, the 20, in his 20s. When there was a movement that swept through our, our group. And some of our brightest young men were, like my brother said, were leaving the truth. And, and, and God dealt with Justin. He gave him a revelation. You know what? When you're raised in the church, your faith is going to come to a crisis. When you're raised in the church, there has to come a time when you stop swinging on your mother's apron strings or your daddy's coattails, and you got to find out for sure, do I love this truth or not? And how do you know if you love it? Amen. Let me tell you how you know if you love the truth. When somebody preaches it, does it get you up out of your seat and get you excited? Does it ever make tears pop out of your eyes? I know what it means to feel the love for the truth. When somebody attacks it, do you want to stand up and defend it and say, wait a minute. I'm going to stand for the word of God. He's got that. I've been praying God give him a love for this city. I pray God give him a lovely wife that loves the apostolic church and loves the doctrine. And Anna's not in here right now, but Judy, you can tell her I said it. That's her mother. Amen. I thank God for Anna. She's an apostolic, godly lady among us. She's a princess and she loves the truth and loves the message. Not too long ago, I said, God, while Justin's preaching, I want to see tears come down his cheeks. I want to see tears. It wasn't two weeks. He was up here preaching. The tears were flowing down his cheeks. I don't know why I wanted to see it. I just wanted to. I actually want to know if God was hearing my prayers or not. Huh? Everybody all right? And Elijah said, when you see eye to eye, I want you to see like a pastor, preach like a pastor, lead like a pastor, love like a pastor, care like a pastor, pray like a pastor, give like a pastor. So, wow, this is so weird. I've never preached like this before in my life, and I'll never preach like this again. It's so strange. It's so strange. Are there any school of the prophets here today? Are there any sons of Issachar that have understanding of the times? The prophets knew. The prophets knew. So 
here we go. This is, this is the last. This is it. Elisha said, I want a double portion. Elijah said, that's a hard thing. But if you'll catch my spirit, if you'll see what I see, think like I think, feel what I feel, act like I act. What does that sound like? Who does that sound like? To me, it sounds like Jesus. John 14, 12, he told his followers, his disciples, he said, guys, you think I'm awesome? The things I'm doing, you're going to do. Jesus didn't say, when I step off the scene, you won't be breaking any of my records. When I, when I go to that cross, I'm, I'm just going to be the only hero in the church. That's going to be it. No, no, no. Jesus is like, the things that I'm doing, you're going to do it. What's he saying? The church isn't great unless it can be great without me. He said, the things that I'm doing, you're going to do. And David said it. And greater things than these shall you do. Wait, there's more. And then I'm going to the Father. <laughs> the church isn't great unless it can be great when I get out of here. That's what Jesus said. Say, Pastor, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to be like Jesus. And I'm saying from one generation to the next generation, go ahead and break our records. Listen, Kenny Dreyer sitting back here. I asked him this morning. I said, Kenny, did you come in your bus this morning filled up with kids from all over the neighborhood? He looked at me like I was crazy. I said, but that's what you did for years at 40th and Harrison. And one Sunday, there was 1,041. I don't know how they got them in a building that only seated about 200. But I don't even think they got them all in the building. But who cares? They got them on the property or around the... There's only 15 parking places. They didn't even get them on the property. I don't know how they did it. But I'm here to tell you, that's a drop in the bucket. God's got a revival that he wants to drop onto this city and God's going to answer Kenny's prayers and Edna's prayers and a generation that we've laid to rest. What we're doing, you're going to do and you're going to do greater. I wish I could get this front row standing up right now say, Pastor, we want to do greater things. We want to do greater things. Come on. There's preachers here. There's evangelists here. There's pastors here. There's missionaries here. God is calling you to greatness. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. What was Jesus saying to the 12 when he said, what I'm doing, you're going to do and greater things. He's saying the same thing Elijah is. You'll have a double portion if you catch me, if you get me. Essentially, Jesus was saying, I want my ceiling to become your floor. My brother and I, we were raised by elders. They didn't believe that. Linda, you were raised, the old timers. They wanted their floor to, they wanted us to go be beyond, under their floor. You be the seller, we'll be the floor. Nobody will get to the ceiling. You call the ministry, here's a toilet plunger. 
Why are we doing that? We want somebody to learn how to clean the toilet or we want somebody to know how to make a disciple? I've cleaned toilets. You've cleaned toilets. All God's children have cleaned toilets. If you go in that bathroom, don't say, that's not my job. Well, I'll point to that one, too. Do we want the church to look good, smell good, be good? Don't walk around saying, that ain't my job. Well, that's why you never get promoted in the kingdom of God. Those elders, God bless them. God bless them. I preach that at Passing the Mantle. If you were here at Passing the Mantle on Sunday morning, that was a signal. Transition's coming. I want my ceiling. I'm saying this to the whole generation, but I'm speaking it to Justin and Anna, who represents this generation. I want our ceiling to be your floor. Don't start at the beginning. Start here. Start where we are right now. Just go. Come on. Just go. Just go. Don't sit out there and say, oh, you're the best pastor we ever had. Can't you pastor for 10 more years? Shut your mouth. Can I tell you something? I can't wait for the day someone comes up to me and says, well, pastor, blah, 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 blah. And I get to say, you know, I'm not the pastor anymore. I think you need to go tell Pastor Justin about that. Things I used to love to do, I don't love them anymore. I told you the filter's coming off and the patience is wearing thin. There's things I used to love to do, I don't love to do them no more. You know why? Because I'm in a shift. Huh? I'm not quitting. You can't, unre- you can't retire a burden. You can't uncall a call. I'll be preaching when I'm up here with my dad's cane. Hallelujah. I'm going to be preaching. I'm going to be making disciples. I'm going to be loving my city. <laughs> Melina, go to Granny right now. Justin, I need you up here. For a season. Come here, Justin. For a season, Elijah and Elisha. It wasn't like Elijah's here and then he's gone and then it's Elijah. No, they're walking. They're walking side by side. They're walking hand in hand. Now, let me tell you, Elisha, when I was up against those false prophets, I just lifted my hands and I called down fire from heaven. And the God that was with me is going to be with you. And when I faced false doctrine and the spirit of the Lord came, you ever met a Jezebel? Let me tell you, Jezebel's a Jezebel. She's a devil. And I want to tell you something. The God that helped me is going to help you. And I was in a cave until God, I heard he wasn't in the storm. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire, but he was in a steel spot voice and the God that spoke to me in a still small voice is going to speak to you and they walked hand in hand and Elisha's pouring water on his hands and they're mutually leading and there's a season of overlap Whoa. and then 
Today's the day. You got it. Don't take your eye off me, son. Today's the day. Even the prophets know it. God's coming for me. And the horse, just step right down here, Justin. The horse and the chariot of fire. The horse and the chariot of fire catch him up. And Elisha cries out, my father, my father! The chariot, the horsemen of Israel, they come in a fire. And he's gone. And the mantle drops. This is so weird. In 1999, at the General Conference at the Youth Service, I preached an old mantle for a new millennium. And here, 24 years later, you see, I've been making room for the next generation for a long time. This is my passion. This is my heart. I don't want, I don't want my records or my whatever I've done. Nobody's laboring in my shadow. Listen. You gotta understand this. I'm saying to this generation, go, 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 go. I'm not so sold on myself that I don't think I'm irreplaceable. Listen, if I don't see the sun rise tomorrow, I know the church is in good hands and I know the church is gonna go forward because he loved the message and the doctrine and he loves you. Praise God. From generation to generation, our ceiling is their floor. I wish somebody would go like this and then go like this. Ceiling. My ceiling is their floor. Yeah. <laughs> Don't start down in the cellar. You start right here. Just pick up right here. Just go. Come on. That's the way it ought to be. That's the way it needs to go. Just lift your hands in the presence. Come on, somebody pray. We need some sons of Issachar here today. We need some school of the prophets. We need the school of the prophets here today to know what time it is. Come on. Come on. Come on, release it today. Release it. From generation to generation. <laughs> Come on. Come on, baby busters. Come on, Generation X. Come on, millennials. Come on, Generation Z. Come on, be like David and declare your generation. Serve your generation. Love your generation. Hallelujah. I wish I could get somebody in Justin, Pastor Justin's generation to come up and get around him right now. I wish you'd come and lay hands on him. I wish Anna could be in here, but she got the baby. Maybe somebody can help her. Come on, you guys and ladies, couples. Come on, this church is going to go. Come on, we're going to go. That's it. <laughs> Let, let me buy. 
Let me buy. Let me buy. Let Anna buy. Come here, Anna. In the name. In the name. Come on, raise your hand. God's doing something today. God's doing something today. God's doing something today. <laughs> yes. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Lord, we're conferring the blessing of the elders. We're conferring the blessing of the generations. This is a generational blessing today. Ah. In the name of Jesus. In the name. Come on, pray, church. Come against every devil. Come against every demon. Release. Release revival. Release miracle. Release the apostolic. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Yes. The spirit of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. It's you. It's you. You're the one he wants. You're the one he called. <laughs> in the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus, in the name. <laughs> oh, oh, oh.
Justin, when you were 12, you could play. I took you with me to a youth camp in Wisconsin. One night after the service, I couldn't find you. I looked all over, looked in the concession stand. That's the first place I looked. (laughs) Then I looked in the playground, basketball court, swing set, nowhere to be found. I, I looked up in the sanctuary. It was dark. The lights were out. I wonder. I went up to the sanctuary an hour after the service was over. I walked in there. It was dark. And I heard weeping. I heard crying, whimpering, brokenness. I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a flashlight. I felt around in the darkness until my eyes adjusted and I saw two little tennis shoes sticking out underneath the choir loft and there was feet in them. And I pulled you out and your face was red and swollen. I said, Justin, what's going on? You said, Dad, I got a fire. I got a fire burning inside of me. I said, what do you think that is? He said, God has called me to preach the gospel. And you've never wavered. When you were 16, Charles Mahaney came and preached in the old building for the first time. In the middle of his first sermon, he called you up on the platform. I want Justin to come up here. You were struck, starstruck, walked up there. Said, Justin, I'm going to lay hands on you in the dual anointing of your grandfathers, Charles Dyson and Wendell Gleason. Your grandfather Dyson was a prophet. Your grandfather Gleason was a teacher. I'm going to pray the dual anointing of your grandfathers will come upon you. He laid hands on you and you went down like a two by four. And that's exactly what's happened. The words teacher and prophet and pastor, teacher and pastor are very similar in the Greek. We almost can't distinguish them. But you're a prophet, pastor, teacher. It's come to pass. You see things I don't see. You hear things I don't hear. But what dad or mother wouldn't want to raise a prophet in their house? I never go home after listening to you teach or preach and I say, well, I've never heard that before. I never saw that in the word. Your mother and I say that all the time. You love the Bible. You love the truth. You've proven yourself to see eye to eye. The Lord is with you and with Anna, sweet Anna. God chose you, Anna. You're so humble, so unassuming. I know that most of your life you've battled feeling inadequate not good enough but you have 
the blessing of the queen and I. You have the blessing of this congregation because we see your children and you qualify to lead the church when your children obey you as yours do. Well done. You're a model of godliness, of apostolic womanhood in this culture that's losing the value of a woman or what a woman is. You are one created by God. Thank you for being a partner for Justin and for loving him. Praise God. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Life Church, for trusting us. This decision will not let you down. You will be proud. You will celebrate. This church is going places I could never take it. Amen. God's raising up a generation of prophets and teachers right now, just like Antioch. They're going to catch the spirit of this leader and his wife. And I'm excited about the future. And I'm going to help you train them, Justin. I'm going to be by your side. You must increase and I must decrease. That's the way it is. That's the way it's going to be. And I back you up. And I'm praying, celebrating, clapping, cheering. I was going to call mom up here, but she's got the babies. But there'll be time for that. Amen. Let's worship. Let's worship. Hallelujah. Come on, one generation will praise him to the next generation. with us if you're a guest today forgive us Caleb the sure hand of God your generations can hear from you Nathan I told you not too long ago that when you preach, things happen. If he was to go be a full-time evangelist, he would be very successful. He would be full-time. He would never lack for a place to go because things happen when he preaches. I'm just looking at all these awesome young men and women up here. I could prophesy over all of you. If you're new, if you don't really understand what's going on, let me tell you something. If you just pray and get into it, if I was 15, 18 years old, I'd say, you know what? I'm going. I've got a chance to become something, to do something. I showed you the picture of my home church. And the anointing that was on S.G. Norris and Wendell Gleason and Charles Dyson is upon this house today because my brother's here and I'm here. And it's from generation. And my sister Pam is here. From generation to generation. Let's celebrate. Clap our hands. I didn't know, I didn't know how to end this today. I didn't know what to do. 
But let's just reach out and put our hands on one another's shoulders and let's pray that the church will go forward. Let's pray that we'll go get on the mission and make disciples. Come on, let's pray for one another that the Lord will be with us that his mighty head will be upon us. Come on, we got teachers, we've got prophets, we have apostles, we have evangelists, we have pastors, we have leaders. Yes, we do. The church is going forward. The next generation is on the rise. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. Yes! Come on! Oh, it's a generational anointing! It's a generational anointing! <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> Oh. 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 Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.